It's Thursday again, tell everybody to lock in Grab some popcorn, a drink, and go and throw your AirPods in It's a one-hour show, constantly speaking facts Bulletproof stats are always shooting from Matt And when it comes to Kyle, you getting numbers and style Jake is gonna educate you, he has that knowledge on fire Player, step your game up, don't be sluggish or lazy Or Jimmy J might hit you with a shaky baby Catch him on YouTube or any podcast platform Breaking all the news down like Shaq does the backboards No hot takes, this is where the hottest debate's at Now kick your feet up, cause it's time for Straight Facts What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains, presented by the Up All Game Podcast Network. It's your boy, Jimmy J, with my full slate of guys. The full roster is here. Jake Galley, Kyle Sirik, Ed Stat, Matt Robinson. Y'all, we're all back in the studio. Jake, you joined us. You had a, you had a good time last week. We, we mentioned on the pod that last, you had a good reason for not being here last week, man. Yes, you, you pulled out some good some good interviews. Am I really Oh, that's right. No, no, no. You're about correct. About your, your own content right now? No. Was, yeah, no. We had Tom Aspinall and Alexander Volkov, who were the UFC headliners for UFC London, which was, if you watch, like, just a crazy event. Like, the people of the UK, of Britain, of London, love fighting. Um, and it was evident. And I also got an invite to swim in a frozen lake in Russia with Alexander Volkov. Uh, which you I gonna probably, go? I'll that's some mobs. Take... That's some mobster type stuff. He's like, yeah, it's probably. I know it sounds incredibly Russian, but I do this every day. Swims in a frozen lake every day while preparing. That's too scary. I can't do that. I, I can't. It's too scary. I mean, well, like, I can't do that. I mean, I feel like I have to go. I, I feel like invited. you should go, but, content, but at I the same time, you really should not. I really should should go. Go. Right now, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> just <laughs> stay all the way really out of should. that. I couldn't swim in a frozen lake. That's just straight up number one. Like, even if I even if I wanted to go, be the coolest guy in the world could invite me. I can't swim in a frozen lake. How much? Uh, that's mm-hmm. less than like, That's something you feel like you'd have to have a lot of vodka before you do it. Every yeah, day. I'm pretty sure he's probably pretty well... Uh, <laughs> Pretty well. He's got a coat on. He's got a he's 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 got a coat on. Let's put it that way. All right. So we're gonna get get into sports. How about how about we do that? We're gonna go right into the NBA because the NBA is in in full swing right now. We're getting down the home stretch. What do we got? Like 10, 11 games left in the regular season. Something like that. that. I think the most the team has is like twelve left. So we're there for most teams. So it's it's time to figure out who's a contender or who's not. Right. And we've figured out pretty much who's at the top and who's at the bottom. But there are a couple of teams that are low-key contenders in the NBA right now. We've identified them. And, of course, we're here to educate the public. That's what we do. So low-key contenders. And then at the end, we each got to answer the questions, why can this team make a run? We'll start with the Eastern Conference. We've talked about this team a lot. we got to update ourselves on them. They haven't slowed down. That's the Boston Celtics. I mean, their mantra this year has been defense and then let Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown go off. Well, the defensive part has has been there pretty much all season, and now they're like solidified as number one defense in the NBA. Number one in field goal percentage and efficient field goal percentage, assists against and points against. I mean, it starts with Marcus Smart, but he's not the only person who is on this defensive anchor, right? Like we've identified a lot of people, Robert Williams. We can go down the list who have been helping the Celtics, but low key contenders, man. I don't I don't know how much low key it is anymore. I mean, they're like since the All Star break, eleven and two. That's dominant. That's right. pure dominance after the All-Star break. So they've really hit their stride. And going into the playoffs, that's probably the, the, the last thing you want to see if you are. I mean, who knows where they'll finish. I think they'll probably be the home team, the favorite in a series in the playoffs. But, you know, I, I'm, I surely do not want to see them second round. If you're a team like the Heat, Sixers, 
Bucks. That you know, they're a team that has been there before. So I think they we'll see. They've been there before and they failed before. We'll see if if the new pieces that they've added will be the biggest thing that I'm watching if they make a difference. Kyle, Kyle said during our sound check, why are we talking about the Celtics? Are you did you say that like why are we talking about them again? Or are you saying like, why are we talking about them because they're not contenders? Uh, I meant because. I'm kind of scared of them as a Eastern Conference Sixers team. I don't, I don't want to yeah, talk yeah, about how good this team is. You should be. Yeah, yeah, you but should be. But to me, yeah, they are good. Uh, Jake said they're not low-key. Uh, really, I, I do agree with you now since this terror. But at the same time, all you're seeing is people pushing Sixers, Nets, and Bucks. Sixers, Nets, and Bucks, and then a little heat. To me, the Celtics are, you know, they've been there before, like you said. But I think this is actually one of the, maybe the best version that they've had with this group of guys. One, it's a young core with Tatum and Jalen Brown. Every consecutive year on them, at the pace they're on, they're getting better year by year. Two, you brought back Horford, right? A guy that hasn't been there in two years and really had a career resurgence here. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that he's some all-level, all-star player. No, no, I know what you mean, yeah. Really upsticked since he's been back. Derek White adds to that team so much. I don't, like, uh, what what uh, can be said about Derek White, I've already said on this podcast, still think it was the best trade of the trade deadline, to be honest with you. And I, I mean, we got hard. Okay, yeah, you need to back that. But up. that worked for both teams. <laughs> the, I'm saying that the Celtics giving away Josh Richardson for Derek White for what they could do this year was the best one side beneficial thing. Are no, you no, are no, you no, saying no. that? No, that's no. what I meant. I like, to be honest, I thought you were omitting the Harden trade and like the Sabonis. I thought you were omitting like the. No, bigger, I, bigger I meant trades. for the Celtics. Like that was the best deal that someone made in terms of like giving up what they gave up. Like did they win best best net yeah. best like net game? Right, that's what you're saying. You still think you still think the Sixers? I just I've been in your spot before. I looked in the camera, probably this camera right here, <laughs> and said that Al Horford was a better signing than Kevin Durant, than Porzingis. Yeah, and I'm nowhere people. close to that. And that's how I felt at the time, but it was wrong. Don't you I think don't you dare try to bring any? Don't you dare try to bring what Kyle said. Into I feel like it's similar. I feel like similar comments. But yeah, all, drag him down the rabbit hole with you. All around, I, th- I think this team they've been building to this moment really to a point where they can really stamp themselves, come in where they can think they're the best team in the East, mm-hmm. and I think they've kind of culminated that into what they're looking at this season. And really could make it happen. I do think it's low key because they still have lower odds than the Heat, which I think is really. I know the Heat of the number one seed, but they're just they're like Jimmy Butler shooting nine point seven percent from three since like the All Star break. Yeah, it's pretty. It's, it's awful. And those, those the Celtics aren't just eleven and two since the All Star break. They're twenty seven and seven since being eighteen and twenty one. Mm-hmm. This is what the Celtics the, they needed. We talked about before needed time to get their feet wet under a new coach, get everything together. In the beginning of the season, there was a lot of locker room turmoil, and they've straightened that out. And now Tatum, after playing the worst basketball of his career the first 30 games of the season, has actually inserted himself into MVP voting territory, mm-hmm. where he is leading the NBA among players for, like, box plus minus. Uh, with four, The Celtics are 14.2 points better per 100 possessions than any team in the NBA, which is the highest in the league. Yeah, and and the the dominance of of Tatum and Brown, I I love to see it, but I love to see the mindset of them too. And I think we're seeing the Celtics take a corner because Jason Tatum has taken a corner or turned the corner as a player. And I I mentioned this earlier, but I'll I'll restate it, that when when you saw the the locker room turmoil in the beginning of the season, guys like Marcus Smart were calling out Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown for being selfish. And – that, that could have went one of two ways. It could have went poorly as, as they responded bad and got defensive and turned on Marcus Smart. 
or they could own what the veteran was saying to them, kind of look inward. And Jason Tatum was like, I need to be more of a leader and not just the best player on this team. And there's been a lot of reports of him becoming more vocal since that's happened, being a better locker room guy since that happened, being more team oriented since that happened. And then magically, that's how basketball gifts you. Because when you do that, now all of a sudden you still get those 40-point games. You still get those 35-point games. But you're winning now because everybody else is getting involved and the whole team is hitting their stride. That's the the corner that the, the, the Celtics turned. And then all of these stats, all these facts that we pointed to, I've just said that they've sustained that. And that's I think it's... It's just really, it's really good to see now all of a sudden they're tied with the Sixers for the third seed in the Eastern Conference. And maybe, maybe it can't be low key anymore. But, but I, got I, a, I agree with you. I got though, a question. I got you know, a question. They, don't, they don't get brought up. Do you think the Celtics are maybe too reliant on scoring from Jason Tatum? Yes. This is something and and I've been thinking about. Like with just and, 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 and Jalen Brown and Tatum. Almost, maybe not equally. I think it's probably more so on Tatum. But I think when you look at like scoring around some of these top teams, like the, I guess, percentage that they make up compared mm-hmm. to some of these other teams kind of worries me. I mean, we're seeing it in the NCAA tournament. You have a bad shooting night. That's chalk it up as a loss. Could, right. like, could that happen with the Celtics? I don't know. Yeah, but why, why? It worries me a little bit from a game plan standpoint. But you have to shut Jason Tatum down for an entire series. Right. And, and when you talk about the NCAA tournament, yeah, if you have a bad shooting night, you're done. But good thing I get four of these nights guaranteed. And I haven't seen a team in the Eastern Conference that can shut them down for for an entire series. That doesn't mean the Celtics are going to win the East. It doesn't mean they're going to win the championship. But it does mean that I can count on Jason Tatum to to give me a series now, to not go stagnant for four straight games and lose in the playoffs. That is the part that doesn't worry me. And then their defense is counteracting all of this. That's when we when we talked about the Celtics in the beginning year of struggling, when we talked about, you know, only the only thing that happens is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown score. That hasn't changed. What's changed is if I can't score, then we uh, the rest of us have to play defense and rebound and have to do all the other little things to allow just them to score and, and to keep this game wrapped up. They've done that. The whole team has kind of, you know, bought into that mindset. And that's why, you know, if we're answering, can the Celtics make a run or how do the Celtics make a run? That's how I'm answering that because the rest of the team is buying into it, you know, buying into the stuff that Jason Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown don't have to commit themselves to if they're going to be the only ones scoring the basketball. I, I agree, and that is that is a big reason for why they have succeeded. I agree with you. The one thing that I believe will be the reason that they won't make a deep run uh, is that they don't have – look up and down their roster and beyond – I mean, Marcus Smart's maybe the closest thing you get to like a true guard in a playoff series that you're going to be trusting in a half-court set. And they don't have anyone to like just strictly run the offense. Do you look around at the playoff teams and the, the finals teams of last year? They have grizzled, you know, game-managing point guards mm-hmm. leading them. And that's how you get the most out of your possessions in the playoffs. I, I think that could be something that bites them. Then again, maybe Tatum and Brown, that two-man game is enough to just you, – you spam that throughout some series. You, you get yourself to the fourth quarter – and let one of the guys win it for you. But. Yeah, but Marcus Smart, he, he may not be the, the most gifted point guard on the offensive end, but he's such a smart player. P- yeah, pun, in, pun intended, really. And, and they, they, you know, they're the best off or the best defensive team in the league, but they're also one of the best at not turning the ball over. And I think a lot of that has to do with Marcus Smart at the point guard position. Give me that in the play. I, I, I'm not going to ask any more of that. I know the player Marcus Smart is. Give me that in the playoffs. That's just another thing that allows Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to do their thing. I think also it's, that leads to why they're so efficient per 100 possessions. There's there's little wasted possessions with the Celtics. Yeah. That's going to bode well in the playoffs as well. Like their offense is kind of built 
for playoffs. But yeah, right. J- but Jason Tatum. We're going to have to see it. They're, they're going to have to hit on we're a nightly basis. You're right. They're going to have to hit on a nightly basis. Still kind of need to prove their playoff work. Right. Tatum's right. shown flashes, but he put up 50 and put up 40 in the net series last year, and they lost the series. Okay. Real, real so. quick, a sentence or two. Why can the Celtics make a run, or can the Celtics make a run? They can if Jason Tatum can become a superstar. And I mean both ends, superstar. Uh, Got to lock in defensively too. Word. Can the Celtics make a run or why? Yeah, definitely. I think of all the teams we're going to talk about, both East and West, this is the team I'd put my money on most that would make a run. Okay. Um, out of all the teams we're going to talk about, not right, all teams right. in the NBA. Um, but I, I think it's what Jake says. Tatum has to become a superstar, uh, and their defense just has to keep doing what it's doing. I mean, yeah. I don't think they're going to – I think they're going to stay in games because of that. Right. And it'll come down to Tatum and Brown – Someone's probably going to have to go for 30 every night if they want to go that far. Yeah, that's my, my point. Yes, the East has finally solidified a top four in the conference, and I have them third of the – if I were to rank them personally, third of the four. Yeah, I, yes, I think they can make a run. If, if they make a run, they're going to have to stay the number one defensive team in the league for me. That's how that's how they make a run. We're going to move on to another team atop of that Eastern Conference. Matt, I'm not sure if this team is in that top four solidified in Eastern Conference because there, there, there's kind of some question marks around this team. But they're, they're still – yeah, yeah, yeah. Tough. For tough. me, for me, they're number six. Tough. The Chicago Bulls is is who he's referencing. Um, and they've been good every single time we've talked to them about this podcast. They've been hot. Just the first time we're talking about them that they're not like scorching hot, red hot Chicago Bulls, but they still land in the low key sleepers, the low key contenders of the Eastern Conference, and and they should be. I mean, they get key additions back. Patrick Williams and Alex Caruso both return from injury that's big for them. They look to get Lonzo Ball back soon. He got a setback in his rehab. I think he needs about 10 more days to get that going. But this is a team that still has DeMar DeRozan hooping at a high level. Um, it still has Nick Vooch uh, very much contributing. It's it's still got all its pieces and, and you know, all the, all the makings to have a deep playoff run. But it's, it, are they are – they, can they do it? Are they no. actually a low-key – No, no that chance. Was a quick, that was a quick no. They're 42-14 and 14 against teams that they're not going to have to play in the playoffs. No, against bad teams. <laughs> they're 0-16 right? against the top three seeds in both conferences. Right now they're slotted uh, – they're going to face either Milwaukee, Philly, or Boston. Wait, did you say that right? 0-16 against the top three seeds in both conferences? Yes. yes. Zero wins. Wow. Zero well, wins. The fact that it's been 16 – like all yeah, losses? Yeah, all of them. <laughs> wow. Um, I don't know what they are against Boston, but uh, that's Philly. That's Miami, Milwaukee, Philly, Phoenix, Memphis, and Golden State. Um, and they're going to have to face either Milwaukee, Philly, or Boston. And every team is praying that they get them, if they got to pick between them and the Nets. It's like, oh, please, right. please give me, because they'll lose and they'll beat them in five. That's mm-hmm. what's going to Bulls are a great first year, come on the scene. They're doing the right things. They're beating all the teams they're supposed to beat, but they just haven't made the leap yet. They need another offseason and another year of player um, just kind of – Player Levine, development, yeah. Levine needs the experience. Lonzo needs the playoff experience. Um, they just need to get their feet wet, get their teeth kicked in a little bit in the first round, and then they'll, if they make the right moves, they could be a contender next year, but not happening this year. I mean, like the, it, it's tough when you haven't had a consistent – consistently healthy lineup and they're they're four and nine since the all-star break so they're, they're kind of trying to figure things out it hasn't been working but why 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 do you think it's been zero wins because that takes me by storm too kyle because 
you would think of when, the way that the NBA and the way people have viewed this team, you would think the Chicago Bulls are second in the East right now, the way people are talking about them, and they're beating up on all well, these they good were. teams. They were second they, in the yeah, East. Right, and then, and, then they, yeah. and then they started playing the, the, the good teams in the NBA and started falling off. So why is it zero wins against the top teams? Like Why, why, is, I mean, why can they not get a win against those good teams? You know, you look at the top, I guess top two in the East, between Philly, Milwaukee, you could add in the Suns too. In the other conference, they don't have someone to stand in front of a big guy. Like you, they have no help down low when it comes to guarding a superstar big. Which Pat, Pat Williams are. coming back—that's that, the help, yeah, right? He's, the right. he's more nah. of a wing defender. Underside, you're not going to yeah. put him on Joel, or, or you, maybe <laughs> you can get away with maybe you can get away with putting putting him on Giannis, but it, it's just not a great proposition, right? And then you look on the other side, and you know when you're going up against a Golden State or against a Memphis, like. You know, you look at those top teams. I probably I take Steph over anyone on the Bulls. You take, you know, Morant. They have a really good guard core. So I don't know that they necessarily beat any of these top teams in, you know, there, there isn't an, an area where they aren't big time deficient in. So the more I look at them, the more I kind of think the same as I do about the Celtics, where like, sure, maybe DeRozan and Levine can string something together and they can win a playoff series. But I think I'd have a hard time being convinced that they could really make a run. I mean, for they don't lack experience. I mean, the, some of their best players have been. I mean, DeMar DeRose has been to an Eastern Conference Finals. Nick Vooch, I mean, he's been in the first round a bunch of times. Yeah. Like he's he's that they're, they're vet players on this team. This isn't a wet behind the ears team. It's, yeah, a, right. new, Levine it's a new Levine's wet behind it. He's but a veteran in the like league, though. NBA vet, yeah. yeah, he's an no, NBA he vet. Has, like, no playoff, no playoff experience. experience. But, but he's got two veterans who, who very much do. Right. He's a good enough player to adapt to that. So it's isn't a a wet behind the ears team is just a right. newly constructed team, but give me experience in the playoffs and like experience and talent, I think can get you a first round win. Can it not? I'm, I'm like a little more higher on the bulls than these guys. Me too. Now me I too. think like any way you look at it, every matchup you're going to have in the East is going to be a tough one. Mm-hmm. Like really besides like maybe one eight, if someone else falls to eight, like the Nets get the seven and like the, maybe the Hornets get eight or Cavs or whoever it is. But the East is going to be great. Any way you look at it. So like, yeah, are you going to predict them to win a first-round matchup? Maybe not. But do I think they're too far behind some of the other teams? No, because, one, we've seen the Bulls this season already play at the highest level of the league. They have they've did that to start the year really all through the end of 2021. Then they've kind of taken a step back, but, you know, Patrick Williams was hurt. Caruso's been dealing with injury. Their whole team got, like, COVID, like, forever. Like, they've been the most, I think, in terms of starters, I think their starters have played the least amount of games really or maybe they've played the most rotation pieces and stuff Mm. to look at with injuries and stuff but i mean they're gonna need to rely on a guy that's gonna get him bucket it's gonna have to be the rosen or levine i look at it the same way jake does in terms of how the celtic structure is and they're gonna have to unlock nick vooch in some way Mm. vooch has not been a ceiling player this year vooch has been a above average like Center. Like, I, mean, I don't even want to the, say center. He's like the he's third there. option. He's a, yeah, the third but, option. Is he not right. playing like a third option on the offense? He's playing the third option on an offense, but he's not playing on a third option of a playoff winning team. True. The way I'll they use that. him, and more in comparison to what I know Nikola Vucevic can be, because he's shown us all those years in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Now, is he going to have less usage? Of course he is here, but he could be more productive with what he gets. Right. So it's going to take a great effort from this team, but they've been at the top of the league already this season for multiple months, and Nothing like I can point at 
like is really throwing me like there's no way they can do that again. I, I think I think the Bulls. I agree with you. I'm higher with, than on the Bulls than these two are. And I think you got to remember that the NBA season is a marathon, not a sprint. And I think you got players in, on the Chicago Bulls who are are made for a marathon, a slow and steady wins the race kind of pace. And the game's going to slow down in the playoffs, and that very much benefits guys like Demar Derozan, Venom, like Nick Vooch. Benefits how their whole team, plays. their whole their, yeah. their their identity is, is is going to fit a playoff style of offense or playoff style of game. So I think the Chicago Bulls can adapt to that, and I think that's going to ultimately help them win a playoff series or two. I wouldn't be surprised if this I would team be can knock absolutely out. Absolutely shocked. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. How, how, how would you be so I shocked? I would be stunned. I would be. I would be I surprised, be but wouldn't not be as surprised as Atlanta doing it last year. I mean, it it would mean that they would have had to be in a seven game series. Either what the Sixers, Bucks, that's Heat, that's Nets. One of those. Teams that's that a good comparison. Be, would if the Chicago Bulls made the Eastern Conference Finals this year? Would it shock you more than the Atlanta Hawks making it last year? Yes. No, no way. There's no no, no way. No way. No, no way. No way. No way. There's no shot. No way. And, and it's, hard to, it's hard to say. What was Atlanta? Five the five seed. They were a five, but no. No way. Shot. They were hot going into the playoffs. You have the Bulls who are, are not hot. So If we rewound this to like last season asking the same question, you would have said there is the Hawks, no shot. The, the Hawks, Hawks had one all-star. Finals. The Bulls have You're two. You're talking the Bulls yourself into something. Two like, top 15 scores. Like, like no. No. You, you the Hawks had Trey Young, dog. The you Hawks could, made the conference Collins, finals because we had an all-time playoff meltdown by a player. Uh, that's so, not the rabbit hole I'm going down. No, that's no, not, no, that's so, not the no, question we're asking not either. Happen, the, the, that has to happen twice for the Bulls to make the conference finals because the Hawks played a good Knicks team. The the the, the Bulls Knicks. will have to play a contender in the first round and then a contender in the second round. I yeah, but it, you're talking about how like a surprising of a scenario it was that the Hawks made the conference finals. I'd say it's like that's surprising. Like, no, it's no, not. No, the yeah, Bulls were the number one seed in the East for a long time. They have way more players than the Hawks that are capable of putting in valuable playoff minutes. I'm with Kyle. I'm with Kyle. Okay. I'm with Kyle. All right. right. That is so about, you want to have a guy off, dude? Like DeRozan, Levine, Busevich, Lonzo. Thank you. Thank is you. not a guy, and Lonzo isn't a guy right now. Okay. You know how many guys? You know how many guys the Hawks have? One. Okay, okay, okay. It's about the yeah, Who's the Hawks' third guy? Who's the Hawks' third guy? The Hawks' third guy last year was Ob- Ed- Edward. Or John Collins. And that's such a wash over Nick Vooch. Bogdanovich. Like, you keep and then that's, that's well, then who's the gonna... second guy? Because you're naming all the guys that one has to be a second I and a third. John Collins averaged about 20 points. John Collins was the second guy. guy. Capella was the third. Capella giving you a double-double and a block and a half. Herder played well as a Herder. fifth guy. Yeah, Herder played well. You know, I am playing Yeah, yeah, If we're invoking Kevin Herder's name, so, but we're too, we're so too the Bulls out. are obviously better than last year's Hawks in my mind. But this, but the East is so much better this year than it was last year, which is and the Bulls are a part of that. The Bulls are part of that resurgence no, of the East. See it. No, I'm, I'm talking about the teams ahead of the Bulls. <laughs> You're talking about every other team. The Bulls are not I'm talking about the Nets. I'm talking about the Bucks. I'm talking about the Sixers. I'm talking about the Heat. I'm talking about the Celtics. They're all clearly better than they also. Uh, they also get pieces back that help them in all the ways they've been struggling. Get Lonzo Ball back. Get your point guard back. Alex Caruso comes back. Stuff. Gives you gives you benefit and energy off your bench and your starting lineup. So does Patrick Williams. Like they're getting all that all that back too. I'm I'm not. Here's here's where we can leave off. If they get all that, they could make a run. I personally, it's a lot to ask from a team who is, A, not playing well right now. They have guys who have been playing in different roles. Kobe White's going to have to change his role completely. 
when Lonzo comes back. But he did it already. He and knows, he knows what he has to go back to. Kobe White's not even so playing, bro. No. But Kobe White's not even playing. Like, Ayu Donsumu's playing. He's playing great. Ayu's going to have to change his role, too. That's fine. I'm just saying. He's been like, in that role. He's, he's, he's not. All right, Kyle, how do they make a run? That's Jake saying they can't make a run. They, may, I, they, they make a run, obviously. DeRozan and Levine really can't be off more than one game in a series. They, but they need to be scoring the bulk of the points for this team, and they need to get back to the play they were playing really until January. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they had one of the top defenses in the league, and they had a half-court game, which is going to work out for them, and they move the ball a lot. They need to play well, and DeRozan and Levine, frankly, just need to hit shots. Matt, can they make a run now? If you if they get really lucky in the draw, and they play Boston in the first round and then Miami in the second round, they still have no shot. They still have no shot. Okay, <laughs> so no, they can't. They can't make a run. Um, how they make a run to me is they get the pace back into the and then the Demar Derozan, Zach Levine, Nick Vuce, Nikola Vuce pace before the playoffs. They get it right. And I think, depending on the matchup, I would not be surprised to see the Bulls contending for an Eastern Conference final spot. But uh, we're going to move on now because we're going to go to the Western Conference. And a team who took a nosedive in the, in the like middle part of the season in January, but has since recovered. They've gotten back to good basketball, and it looks like maybe they can get back on their feet. And that is the Utah Jazz. Um, aside for that horrific January of 4-12, and they've been the same Jazz team as always. First in offensive rating, eighth in defensive rating, also fifth. And field goal percentage, so they're they're back to what the Jazz have all not always, but what the Jazz have been in the past year or two. Why they've been at the top of the Western Conference, it was weird to kind of see them, like I said, take that nosedive in January. But for all intents and purposes, the U- Utah Jazz are still back to being and still a very good basketball team in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, so we're obviously talking about low key contenders here. So in terms of contending. When it comes down to the West, it's as simple as this. It's the Suns and the Warriors that you know you have to beat. Mm-hmm. I think that is going to be tough for the Jazz. I think the Warriors matchup is a little more favorable for them. But in terms of the Suns, I look at the Suns of just a better version than the Jazz. Yeah. Both teams play really good defense, right? Both both teams have vet guys. In terms of the Jazz, maybe not as many vets, but they've played together for a while. Yeah, vet um, point guards. Scoring they play guard. the same way, yeah. so I think it becomes really hard. Uh, what I do like from this team, though, is... One, Mike Conley is now really have a full season with them under his belt mm-hmm. coming into the playoffs. Couldn't really say that before. I think that, you know, it really elevates. We've seen this team now just get bounced first and second round every year. This might be their last hurdle, last step to be able to do so. So I, I think they're coming into it as strong as they have been. But I also think the top two teams in the West are as strong as they have been with this iteration of the Jazz trying to make a playoff run. Right. I mean, I, I think the big, the great question you got to answer here for the Utah Jazz is can you win a championship with Rudy Gobert being your second best player? Because that's for all intents and purposes, that's the number two guy right. on the Jazz. And is that is that possible? Can you go through the Western Conference? Can you go through the Suns or the Warriors with Rudy Gobert as Based your number two? Based on our current knowledge, no. But what other knowledge do no, I have, Because man? Gobert this offseason – really worked on his game. He's having the best season of his career and no one cares because of how the playoffs ended last <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, well, good for so, him. So, no, no, so, so if he... <laughs> yeah, good for him. If, if, he, if he improved, if he improved his efficiency on from the court, his shooting 71% from the field, 70% from the free throw line, and if he has learned how to be good at guarding perimeter defenders... It's. I don't think it's likely just because it's. It would be such a tall task for it to happen. 
But as someone who's like a real competitor, really works on his game and wasn't a crybaby after getting embarrassed in the playoffs and actually worked on his game and came back and has had no the shade being thrown career. over there. Yeah, no shade being thrown over there, um, of course. Uh, the, the, but to me, if they have to play Phoenix in the second round, they got no shot. Right now, they're two games behind Golden State uh, for the three seed. If they get the three seed, they could make the conference finals. I mean, they all, because I, they, they, uh, they play probably Denver, Dallas in the first round or even Minnesota, potentially, and then they could beat Memphis. We'll get to Memphis later, but that's not a – but Phoenix is way too good for them to beat. And, it's hey, really I, that I hear you about Rudy Gobert having the best, you know, maybe the best season of his career. I really do. Like, it, But 15 points and 14 rebounds, like, it, that. that's – and really I'm focusing on the points. Like, your, your, your second-best player on offense is, is giving you 15 points. Maybe you consider Jordan Clarkson your second-best player on offense now or Mike Conley or, or somebody like that because well, – Or Bogdanovich, too. Or Bogdanovich, but, but – if Rudy Gobert is your second best player, can you rely on for you know all jokes aside? Can you rely on fifteen points and eleven rebounds from your second best player on a championship team? Is that? I think it just you with him you have to play drop coverage. That is the benefit of having Rudy Gobert as a guy who you funnel everything to and opponents drive on you. But like as you said, you're going to give up against Suns. You're going up against the Warriors. You're going up against the top team. You're going up against their current matchup, the Mavericks, who we'll talk about. You're gonna get you're gonna get pick and rolled to death with Rudy Gobert out there. So if he can prevent himself from looking like wacky inflatable uh, arm man when he's trying to guard guards out on the perimeter, as Matt said, yeah, you have a chance. But going to Phoenix with Chris Paul and Devin Booker is just a nightmare. Yes, yes. tough. That's tough. I mean, I'm not I'm not a, the, the biggest believer in the Jazz. They, they can be a very good basketball team all they want. I just don't think when it when it comes to playoff time, and I don't think it's just Rudy Gobert. I don't know if you can win a championship as Donovan Mitchell being your number one. Like, forget about Rudy Gobert being your number two. Oh, that's tough, I'm not sure if the Donovan way the Mitchell is now. I mean, it's, it's, like it's the like, one has to be a top ten player in yeah, the league. Really, yeah. really, top really. And, months, and, yeah. and 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 you pair Donovan Mitchell with any of those top. I'll give you top fifteen. You pair him with any of those top fifteen guys, you got yourself a title contending team on on spot. But as Donovan Mitchell being the number one, I don't see him carrying the 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 Jazz to a finals. I mean, we've we've seen him try to do it three times now. And it's, he's, he's, he, the Jazz, whoever you want to put it on, have failed every single time. I think that's got to be the biggest change. I linked an article in here because there was reports that he wanted out. And the headline is, surrounded by friends and family, Donovan Mitchell is focused on the present. Let me just tell you, fan 101, <laughs> if a player is focused on the present, they are gone. <laughs> they are so gone. Like, it's never been yeah. like, oh, I'm surrounded by my friends and family. I just, and I'm really focused on the present. No, that means he is about to be out of there with those yeah. friends and family. <laughs> so, well, maybe think, to be fair, maybe his friends and family are pushing him out because they don't want to be in Utah. They want well, to maybe another fair point. But, but put it this way: if you ever ask your girl, if you ever ask your significant other, if they're looking towards the future, and they go, "No, nah, I'm just focused on the right now," you, your, your relationship's not heading anywhere. Right. You're in a sporting relationship. Right. If you're not looking for the future, you might want to get out, man. What, do you, what have you been focused on for the past three years? <laughs> <laughs> if you're not, <laughs> right. okay. not focused on the future, so I, it seems like we're all in unison with the Utah Jazz. They yeah. can be a low key contender all they want, but. Can they make a playoff run? Can they make? A I say no run? for the reasons listed. Rudy Gobert hate and slander will go on uh, uncontested for another year. Donovan Mitchell it. would have to find that bag he found in that Denver series yeah. that they still ultimately ended up losing, and <laughs> put him in the bubble. And like honestly, like Clarkson would have to give you basically twenty five times a series with a thirty or two sprinkled in. Like it's going to be really hard for this team just because the teams at the top are so good. Yeah, I think the West or, or the Jazz are in a good 
iteration of what their team has been, though. I think it's a good yeah, team. Yeah, they're a good team. Yeah. They're a good team. I think if they get the three seed and Phoenix get shocked, they could make the finals, but that's so unlikely. Yeah. Uh, the, they're the Jazz. They'll play like the Jazz. And and that, that's my point of why they're not going to make a playoff run. We're, we're talking about they're the same Jazz team as it's a good thing. That shouldn't be a good thing because the same Jazz team is good in the regular season and then gets beat in the playoffs. So they, they have to become a different Jazz team, a, a new 2.0 version of the Jazz. I don't see that happening quite yet or, or just coming quick. And a playoff time. We're gonna move on uh, to the next one. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip down for the sake of time. I'm gonna skip down to this next team because I, I like want to talk about it. We reference them, um, and that's the Dallas Mavericks because we could talk about the Grizzlies all we want, but we've we've noted them before. They're still noted as a good team in the Western Conference. I really like. Shout out them bringing the like the two seed by like a good amount of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, but I really like what this Mavs team is doing. I think the Spencer Dinwiddie trade is is proving to be a really good one. That they got themselves a nice little score. Um, but you know, Luca has really been on MVP level since the Kristaps trade. Maybe he wanted Kristaps out of there. I'm not sure. There's some rumblings of that, but before the trade, he was averaging 27 points, uh, what nine rebounds and nine assists, four turnovers a game after the trade, 30 points, nine rebounds, seven assists, five turnovers a game. I mean, we've seen some, some crazy scoring barrages from him. And I think the Mavericks, if we're going to talk about anyone actually being a low key contender in both senses of the words, I think the Mavericks fit that for me. Yeah, and I also don't want people to be dissuaded when you hear those stats like, oh, he only bumped up his points per game by like, you know, three and he has more turnovers. His percentages are all pretty much the same. He's actually shooting way better at three from 33% before the Kristaps trade to 38% now. And you look down the lineup, that that holds true for a lot of guys. Two of their biggest bench pe- or uh, role pieces, I should say, with Jalen Brunson going Go from 36%. Yeah, you were waiting for that. I one, was waiting for it. To 48%. And Dorian Finney-Smith, 36%, ironically, to 48%. Both of them made the same 12% jump Mm -hmm. since Kristaps was traded in three-point percentage shooting. And I think that, as you can see from Luka's drop in assists, that the ball is just more free-moving. You now have another guard in there, and Dinwiddie, as you said, who can hit shots, who's not afraid to drive or move the ball. And they're just a harder team to stay in front of. So... If if Luka, if Luka can go supernova in the playoffs, which I think he's proven that he can, there there's no reason they can't they can't beat the Utah Jazz round one. Eleven and four since the trade, and and when you have a, I don't want to act like you know Kristaps Porzingis was this cancer to the Mavs because he wasn't, and 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 they showed flashes at times of maybe this KP and Luka thing can work, but I think ultimately you know, Mark Cuban saw the writing on the wall and knew it wasn't. KP kind of saw a little bit too. And won it out because Porzingis is a player who needs the ball to be effective. And you want to give him the ball. He's got talent. And so when he's he's inconsistent in and out of the lineup and inconsistent with his play, that, you know, and has such a high usage rate, that's going to bring down the other members of your team, especially the guys like Jalen Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Dwight Powell. Those role players are not going to benefit from a guy have a high usage rate and not have a high production. You get him out of there now. Look at look at how spread our wings. Look at look at Jalen Brunson can stretch a little bit, and now that thirty six goes to forty eight. Dorian Finney Smith can stretch a little bit, spread his wings a little bit, and now the play goes up. And Spencer Dinwiddie, I mean, the only thing I needed to see was second game in Dallas. He goes and hits a game winner against his former team. Everyone rallies around him, and I'm like, you know what? That's kind of a a little culmination moment of this trade of of yeah that the Mavs got one. This was a good trade for them, and it's gonna build well. Like like. They went. They they took out a big man. Went smaller. I'm going to invest in my guards and let's you know let's do this thing. So, I, I like so the most. We had the discussion on whether Gobert was good enough for as a second best player on a title team. 
he's way better than mm-hmm. whoever you decide the second best player on right. Dallas is. Oh, Jalen oh, Brunson or like it's Right, the Jazz don't have Luka. Yeah, I know. But if you were to draft the top five in a Utah versus – Dallas draft. You're not taking you're not taking Dinwiddie over over Gobert for a playoff series? No. No. I'm taking Luka one Maverick one. and four Jazz players. <laughs> four Jazz. I probably after Gobert and D Mitch go off. The fourth guy, it comes down to like Brunson. I take Conley over take, Brunson. Yeah, see, I, I take Bogdanovich over. I think they're equivalent. I think they're pretty. That's a, it's arguable. Yeah. Aside from experience. Mm-hmm. Why can't Brunson be that player? He's shooting 47, 48% from three right now, you know? And that's obviously way small sample size. But it just goes to show that, like, like I think for, like, reason why they could they could go on a run, what I wrote literally was Luka. It literally was just Luka. That's the reason. Because he, he has shown that he can do that. Like, look, LeBron took – we don't need to do this. We don't need to do this game. We know who LeBron took to the finals. Right, right. It can be done. Yeah, but Luca's not LeBron. He's not LeBron. He's the prototype of him, though. He could put no, he's the he doesn't have the, like LeBron, that. when he decides to turn on defense, it's like, oh, crap. Luca doesn't have that. That's true. That's true. Doesn't yeah, have, doesn't have will, the second yeah. side. Mm-hmm. I'll give one reason on both sides. Why the Mavericks can make a playoff run and why they can't. We'll start with why they can't. To be honest, I don't think this team makeup makes any sense. You have three guys, Spencer Dinwiddie, Luka Doncic, and Jalen Brunson, that are inarguably better players with the ball in their hands. And you have them surrounded with a bunch of guys that can't really score. And if you put them in a playoff environment, you can't depend on to score. So from a team makeup standpoint, I'm not sure. I'm not sure they have enough guys. Matt brought up the draft. I might draft it a little differently. But if you want to keep going down that list, I'm not taking too many Mavericks guys. I get through that Jazz roster way before I get through that Mavericks roster of players. A reason why they can make a run. And there's only a handful of these guys in the league, and that's Luka Doncic. With a guy like that, you can throw any type of narrative, any type of circumstances out the window. There's certain guys in this league that don't care what you think, that play with a certain level of confidence paired with how good they are as players that it doesn't matter. Like, Luka can just go out. I saw a stat where it's like LeBron averaged 40, 10, and 10 in a uh, playoff series. And, like, people are like, oh, imagine if LeBron had a team around him. Well, I mean, like, or no one could do this today. Like, Luka could randomly do that in a series today, 40, 10, and 10, like, just out of nowhere. It's not likely, but there's certain guys that just play with so much confidence and are that good. Mm-hmm. Luka can be that good. Can we I think win? they match up, actually. I think they match up better with the top teams in the West than the Jazz do. But I don't think they beat the Can teams. we just wait until Luka wins one playoff series before we start talking about him and LeBron together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And his, I'm not comparing him yeah, yeah, We're not comparing I was more comparing a tweet I saw. Yeah, yeah, There's no Luka slander by me. I love Luka f- from before he was drafted. But he isn't at that, oh, my God, how is this person not – how like this i can't believe i'm watching someone play this great like he is he's he's, he's already had playoff games though with that like yeah, playoff games games yes but you need series that can happen he needs to be he needs to be another that 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 level of talent that needs to be done yeah. Can only be done by a certain number of players. Yes, I think yes Jake. I think, I think Jake would like that. No, we, we, yes, we have breaking news here. What? So this is a big, big boost for Nets fans because the, I guess, exemption or, or the uh, rule about it. unvaccinated players is now off. 
And I believe uh, Kyrie Irving will be able to play in home games. Wait, is the baseball one still on, though? That's a good question. That would be so. That I'm not sure. But Kyrie Irving, break that would be so okay. Stupid. Okay. Let's put a, let's put a pin. Let's put a pin in in the, in the Mavericks talk for a little bit. Love Luca. Love the Mavericks. I think that changes the landscape of the NBA just a little bit. So we got what, ten, what 10, 11 games. So before this mandate, Kyrie was only going to play in three of the last, however, 10, 11, 12 games that the Nets have. If he can, if he can, if this goes in immediately, he comes back for those other eight as well. The boost with the, where the Nets are in the standings. And then now what is that? How does that change your view of, of the Nets going to a playoff series? Obviously, they have Kyrie full-time. It doesn't because, like, that was going to happen either way. Do you think so? That's I mean, my reaction I, to the news. That's really how it's happened. Like, you don't, you don't think over was... the past month, like, that every – even ESPN, like, major news – like, major players yeah. like, oh, well, Kyrie will most likely be back. So I, I think this team still – It doesn't surprise me. Just I, as I, 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 didn't, I, this I didn't think that – I didn't think they were going to let the playoffs happen before. Like I, they, they were definitely going to do this before the playoffs right. happen. They were definitely going to have this invoked before the playoffs. I think. I think as Sixers fans, I'm. 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 Ten games left, though. I think. I think maybe he gets to play a couple more, and maybe that. I mean, he plays gets them, seven, eight more games. Gets That's... them a boost going into the playoffs that maybe they didn't have. But I, I'm still scared of this team in the playoffs. Like. <laughs> yeah, what it elicits for me, and this is the real question that you have to ask yourself: Are truth and I, I don't know the answer. Are the Nets better with? KD, Kyrie, and Harden last year like they had in the playoffs. Or are they better? Kyrie, they didn't have Kyrie last year in the playoffs. All right. So just, well, when they played, which was sparing, it was rare. Mm-hmm. But is that a better run out? Is that a better team compilation than having Curry and Drummond in their place? And I kind of say it in jest because, because obviously. Simmons isn't going to play. Simmons was yeah. the big piece and he's not going to play. And he'll eventually play. I wouldn't play. be surprised I don't because it's bad. Plays. Herniated disc is like a serious injury. He hasn't played basketball in a year and he has a bad back. For a 25-year-old to have a herniated disc is kind of funny. We've also honest. seen Ben Simmons shut it down for an entire year when he's not feeling healthy his first year in the league. He could have came back, didn't want to, shut it down for the whole year. So it's not, not something that's. I'm not penciling him out. I don't think I don't think you pencil him out, but I'm certainly not penciling him in. Like I don't think you can <laughs> just leave him completely off right. the ballot. He's he's a question mark. Yeah. Like I view it on the same. And then the the Mavericks, by the way, are my dark horse. We didn't really super finish on them. They are my dark horse. Like it's like the same thing as saying like, oh, well, what if Davis Bertans came back for them and shot forty percent? It could happen. It's probably not gonna happen. Like that's kind of <laughs> where I'm at. Okay. It, it it is hidden value for them. But are they better with the? Two bench pieces instead of Harden. I think you can make with the case. three with three Sixers fans here. I guess it impresses me that you guys have already you've you've thought that far ahead to understand that Kyrie probably there's a likelihood that Kyrie comes back, so it doesn't rock your world now. You are three very mature Sixers. Sixers fans out there that were very much living in the utopia of we'll never see have to see Kyrie in the playoffs, uh-huh. uh, or we'll only have to see him for you know in in Philly. We won't have to see Kyrie for half the time in the playoffs. So that, that that encourages me. But okay, we'll move on. That's a, that's a good spot to move on to. From NBA back to college basketball because of course, the NCAA tournament is still going on. The Sweet 16 actually kicks off Thursday. So tomorrow as we're recording Wednesday, go Cats. Nova plays at 8. You guys should come to the watch party in Kachahokin by the way. Not a shot. Come on, man. Let that hate out your heart. It is it's not even the same conference anymore. We're not even in, we're not even in the same. One, I'm not Jake, up. Jake's going. Are you actually going? Don't you so dare backpedal now. Don't you don't you dare backpedal now. I'm not going to a Villanova watch party to where they can either win and I could be like double mad, or they could lose and I could be the only person there. It sounds like just like, no, we'd, like we'd the only happy person for there. Arizona, correct? Or are you rooting for uh, yeah, Michigan? Easily. Michigan. Or, or, yeah, easily. 
I root against Villanova in any game they play. That's crazy. This goes back to when I was seven seven years old. Can't go on the record. No, Jake definitely told me off camera that he was I can't go on the record. The the, the backpedal here is nuts. That upset me just now. So we're going to talk about the upsets that happened in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Um, But we're going to do it with a little bit of a a different slant as we do do here on Straight Facts. We're going to talk about the upsets that shouldn't upset you. So I guess in in our terms, the, the least surprising upsets of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. The first one we have is Iowa State getting to the sweet to the Sweet 16, which I guess is a good a good spot to pick up on because we were called all kind of high on Iowa, um, and then Iowa State comes in and, and busts a lot of people's bracket. Man, they go in the first round against a six seed who just fired their coach in LSU. I was down on LSU, um, but LSU was a good team. They beat them, and then right they have a second round win against Wisconsin. I'm sorry, not Iowa, but a second round win against Wisconsin. Matt, you were very low on Wisconsin, saying they're an overrated team. So I guess that's why this this, this Iowa State team makes the list of the upsets that shouldn't upset you, right? It definitely. What, what's upset? Better. What upset me is I picked Wisconsin to get eliminated early second round, but I was stupid and picked LSU instead of Iowa State. Yeah, yeah. I, I did tough. too. But I mean, like honestly, like. This one just makes so much sense, really. An 11 seed coming in against a team that fired their coach. Mm-hmm. Any team that is a six seed in the NCAA tournament and fires their coach. So head-scratching. I don't well, know what happened there. So, there. And and if you look at really the matchup there, um, LSU is not a great offensive team this year. They weren't great at shooting the three. Ken Palm had them ranked 92nd in terms of adjusted offense, the lowest of any team in the top six seeds. And then you look at Iowa State on the other side, who Kempom had the fifth best defense in 11C with the fifth best defense in the mm-hmm. country. That alone can just red flag that. That could be a big issue for LSU as a six seed. They take care of them. And then they go to Wisconsin, who we labeled Matt specifically as a very weak three seed. Like a quote. They barely beat Colgate. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think, I, was your stat that they were the lowest rated three seed in like 20 years. 20 years, years, right? Yeah. So they go in there, and Wisconsin only scores 49 points. Like, this Iowa State defense has been insane in the tournament, and even though they're only scoring 50-something, it's been enough. Mm -hmm. It's been enough. I I talked about Texas Tech and how good they were defensively because of how tough the Big 12 was and and how how gritty you had to be. Iowa State's a part of that as well. And, you know, a a very good defensive team. They got on both of their first-round matchups, and – like, they're a team that if you were paying attention to college basketball through the latter part of the season, a team that stayed right there in that, you know, 17, 18, 19, you know, kind of got in the 20s, bounced out of the rankings, and then came back in right before conference or conference tournament time. Um, so they're a team that, like, you know, if, if you were just looking at the big narratives of college basketball, you would have skipped over them. But if you were plugged in most of the time, Iowa State was there and hanging with the best teams in the country, and you know they showed it in the tournament. They're in, they're in the Sweet Sixteen now. Is this just, is this the end of the row for Iowa State? Though is this is well, they catch a pretty good break, yeah, because you're going <laughs> up against the other ten seed Miami, in Miami, right? Yeah, and we'll talk about them right after this because they, they did their own uh, kind of version of upsetting. But I mean, like I will come right out and say I don't I don't follow college basketball that much uh, intensely. I know players. I know you know the draft picks is mainly who I focus on. So I find it impressive when a team like Iowa State, who I don't know if they have any NBA products. Kyle Bigborg got no NBA products. Not really. Not, so, not as it stands. Right. Yeah. I mean, they'll probably have to rely on seniority. But going, I mean, I, I think it probably ends here. I like my Miami's makeup. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to burn through too much of why. Right. Because that, that's a lot of. Uh, I like Larinaga. Their breakdown, but 
yeah. Iowa tournament. Um, but what no, we, we, won't, we yeah, we won't <laughs> rain on we won't rain on Iowa State's parade. They've done a great job uh, to get to the Sweet 16 this far, and they take on the team that we'll get into right now, the Miami Hurricanes, who have done their own upsetting this tournament. I would love to see how many brackets have had Miami um, into the Sweet 16, but they're a team that I understand that they went under the radar for a lot of for a lot of people that you know didn't play a lot of top teams in the beginning of their schedule so the strength of schedule isn't hard but this is a a 20 plus win team in the regular season it's the team who hung tongue tough in the ACC tournament okay this is a team who you know a- a- has a lot of a lot of firepower charlie moore led by a super senior any team i got a you got a super senior in the team okay. yeah yeah you're going to you're going to do well in the tournament a journeyman charlie moore is and miami's just a really good team. They finished fourth behind in the ACC behind Duke, UNC, and Notre Dame. Those are the only teams they finished behind in the regular season. And in the ACC. all four te- all four of those teams won their first round matchup in the tournament. A very good, a very good Miami team. But did, I mean, did y'all have? Did you have Miami this far in your bracket? Uh, well, considering I'm 99th percentile, whatever. Uh, ESPN brackets. I had them winning one game. Saw that. Yeah, uh, I had them winning one. The USC that was actually a really, really close. That was a game. really fun game Damn to watch. Stretch it was mm. to watch. The guy almost uh, made the half quarter. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think they mentioned on the broadcast. It was like reminiscent of the uh, shot against Duke by Wise Gordon, Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Uh, but going in, going into Miami, like in the tournament, I hate I hate boiling things down and making them sound so simple, especially when I don't really know what I'm talking about. But like. It comes down to guard play. Like, at the end <laughs> yeah, of the day, it, yeah, really, it, comes it. To, it comes down to the play of your guards. And you look, and as you mentioned, Charlie Moore is one of them. Cam Augusti, Isaiah Wong, two guys are in the top 10 of the ACC in scoring this year. Um, Cam Augusti as well, definitely a hooper. Uh, no analytics. It's kind of just a high test. But yeah, uh, when you run hard and you don't really give a team a chance to kind of catch his breath, get set like they do, I think you're going to have a really good chance. They ran into two good matchups in Auburn and USC where those two teams' advantage is kind of in the front court with their best players. So, I, I don't know. Uh, they, they've had a great run. It may end here. but I, I, just, I, I, I just really respect Larenag as a coach. If you look at just George Mason basketball, he led them to a Final Four as a 11 seed. He makes another tournament in 2008 with them. Then in 2011, he beats Nova two years after Nova made a Final Four in the first round. And then he leaves, George Mason collapses, goes to Miami. Miami's been a consistent quality ACC team. And now they have a shot to make their first Elite Eight in a long time. Mm-hmm. And and I just think it's good coaches win in March and learn. People talk about Izzo and Coach K and Roy Williams and Bill Self. But I know Roy Williams retired, but like Laranega is the mid-major t- turn to a Big, big yeah, six and you got to love it. We talked about, you know, Iowa State and how good they are defensively, how they won games. And Miami's doing it the opposite way and doing it on the offensive end. I mean, it's not just McGusty. It's not just Charlie Moore not just Isaiah Wong. Six of their seven regular rotation guys shoot over 45% from the field. I mean, if, if I could do that, I know defense wins championships, and that's a mantra that I'll probably always live by. But if I can get you – Miami's give, never made the Elite Eight. That's, there you go. They had their chance in the first one. So, But if you, if you could give me – six guys that shoot over 45% from the field, then uh, that might be able to offset a good defensive team. If my entire team can shoot that efficiency, that efficiently, that might offset it. So my, Miami's going to be a really good team. This is going to be a really it's gonna good matchup. It's going to be a good matchup. Yeah, I wish people would listen to me last week. I said the ACC doesn't have many teams in. It wasn't a great ones. season, but those teams played hard. Mm-hmm. And I also said the SEC is overrated. That None of those teams could shoot, and they're over-reliant. Yeah. So while I was wrong about picking Iowa, and I'll, I'll eat that one, 
I, I thought Iowa was going to make. Give a yourself a pat on the back for the ACC, though. The the really the SEC, like they had some of the highest seeds: Auburn and Kentucky, two seeds. They're out. Tennessee Alabama. is out. Alabama. Alabama got upset by an ACC team. Arkansas. Ar- Arkansas is the only one left. Yeah. And and that was actually a team that I don't think was that good in the SEC. Yeah, I thought one of your overrated teams, even right? Tennessee, who I thought was the one team from the SEC I could rely on. I was like Tennessee, and then I thought Kentucky had an easy draw. Kentucky, mm-hmm. wow, can't yeah. believe they lost to St. Peter's. But even Tennessee falls apart, catches the upset. Yeah, it was it was tough. And Isaiah Wong might have the one of the best posters of the tournament catching a body over Jabari or Jabari Smith. That was that was a good one. All right, we're gonna move on to me. This is should be the least surprising one of of, of everybody. This is the upset that should literally upset you the least, and that's Michigan being in the Sweet Sixteen. Right. Give me give me a team coached by Juwan Howard. Give me a team who's got a, a, a Big Ten Player of the Year candidate the past two years and Hunter Dickinson. Give me a team who's got two experienced point guards, one being Eli Brooks, who's one of the top point guards in the Big Ten this year. Give give me a team with all of this, and I'm like, yeah. They're in the Sweet 16. Why did we ever doubt Michigan? Why? Why? Why because was they ever... were 17 and 14 in the regular season? That's why we. That, and that, that literally yeah. right there is why people were doubting Michigan. But Matt, the, the and you know this. I'm not saying this to you, but the NCAA tournament is a new season. That, that is a, That is a new birth for a team, especially a team who is nearing blue blood stature like Michigan basketball is. Like that. That's a team who's who is very much in and out of the tournament. Every single year, so all they do is get in. I know, I know what this tournament is like. I'm Jawan Howard. I've played in this tournament. I've gone to national championships in this exact tournament. I know how to win in this tournament. So, I'm like this, this was the least surprising one to me. When this, when yeah. Michigan knocked off their first two teams, I'm like, yeah, yeah, should shouldn't surprise anyone. I mean, in my mind, they have the best center in the country, and like. Like that can't surprise anyone. Yeah. Like Hunter Dickinson, I think is that good. It was it was him or, or Walker Kessler. Even right? if they have an off year, like s- still bringing back Eli Brooks, who was even a vet on that team last year, mm-hmm. that feels like an even bigger vet this year. I mean, not surprising. A little surprised when they beat Tennessee. Like I, I thought Tennessee probably wins that one, but I knew it would be a close game. Even mm-hmm. like for an 11 seed to make it this far, you have to understand that between like a six and 11 seed hypothetically, there's only 17 to 20 teams in between them. Mm-hmm. In the entire country, I just want to give a shout out to Kyle for being so right about the SEC. Because <laughs> Kentucky, Auburn, Tennessee, LSU, and Alabama were all beaten by double digit seeds. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, the tough. only SEC team left is Arkansas. Yeah, that, that's that's like, tough. <laughs> that, that's, that's that's actually the one conference tournament that could have told you exactly what you needed to know about these teams. Because that's why I said that. I watched the SEC tournament and I was like. This is unwatchable basketball. Like, <laughs> it's guys that can't shoot that Just are very athletic, athletic. Athleticism was taken like, over, yeah. Uh, but like the other ones let me down. Like the Big Ten tournament let me down. I thought Indiana would be better. I thought Iowa would be better. Mm-hmm. But this team that did come out of the Big Ten, Michigan, might be the one to bring home. For I them. mean, this was last year too, right? All The entire Big Ten let us down last year except Michigan. Michigan was the only team to not you know, lose in the first round of the Big Ten, first or second round. From a team out of the Big Ten, they're doing it again. Shout out Ohio State. They played well. That's true. That's true. what kind of like, this is why I love March Madness. Because they, they, they tried. Ohio State, they tried. They did the best. They played well. They, they did the rest. The, well. the blindness. They watched the Twitter from home. You just pull up the bracket and you see oh, Michigan versus some team named Colorado State. I don't have to know much about what went on that year to feel good about picking <laughs> a team, an organization like Michigan over an organization like no Colorado shade to Colorado State. State. They had a mean, great like, season. Yeah, like, they had a great they, season. No, nah, right, Roddy, Roddy's good. Too. There, but like, come Roddy's on. a hooper. Yeah, Roddy is. Roddy is a hooper. But they, but they ran into like to Michigan. Like, is 
I don't know. And, and I wish I would have talked myself through all of this when I was making my bracket. A lot of this is hindsight, right? Hindsight. So 2020, because you look at everything Michigan had to deal with. I mean, Juwan Howard mushing someone on, on national TV. But that um, helps in my opinion. Like get you get you amped up for uh oh yeah and Michigan and like Michigan this. rallied Narrative. around them yeah and and I thought hey the, I was like the, they're finishing the Big Ten tournament is going to tell me a lot about how they go into into the national tournament okay yeah okay Big Ten tournament so I was like all right then Michigan they, they you know they they got back on their feet but hey it doesn't go too far yeah. and you know during the Sweet Sixteen unfortunately it stops here. You know, unfortunately, you know, good season to them boys. You know, a lot, a lot of tip to catch. That's a tough, gritty win over no, Tennessee, no, no. man. No, the, and and the fact that you know, as a Nova fan, we got to play back to back Big Ten teams is is definitely you know, um, I don't say calls for concern, but it's it's definitely a point of emphasis. But um, who am I? What am I gonna say? Like, no, Nova's gonna lose. But I, I, that's not where I want to go with this. We were we are praising Michigan, and it should be praised. But is is like a. Can you can you see Michigan like making a deeper run past this? And in, in all seriousness, like if Michigan goes to an Elite Eight, a Final Four, are we just as surprised? Yeah, it's out of sudden. It's tough. I mean, remember last week we talked about how this was definitely the hardest bracket, mm-hmm. and we thought Tennessee would come out of this game. Obviously, Michigan did, but the other three teams we talked about are still alive: Kansas, Houston, or not Kansas, Arizona, Houston, Nova. Yeah. So can they win a game? Maybe they can beat Nova, but like winning that game and then beating an Arizona or Houston is going to be real tough. But who? 16 teams left in the country. They got a week to think about it. This team could come in super prepared. Definitely. It really could. I mean, they, they do one thing that – one of the three things that, you know, I said you have to do to win in the tournament, they really control the boards. And, I, I mean, you got a 7-1, probably the best center in the country. Like Dickens is said. tough, though. Who's, who's strapping him on Nova, James? Man, big Eric Dixon, man. Big E in the middle. That's – we got him. I'll throw, I'll throw E at him. I'll throw Slade at him. I'll throw Main at him. We got him. We good. We All good. Right. We doesn't sound like someone who's worried. We good. Don't sound like anyone who would be worried. James is I'm never going worried. to be worried. Said, the only time I've seen James kind of worried, and I don't even think he was worried. I think he was just like excited for the day. Was when Tampa was in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and like, like, he, like yeah, he was. No, I got. He really no. wasn't worried. I was texting. I remember I was texting you all through that day, and I woke up super confident by by kickoff. I was it's a wreck. Yeah, I was an abs. I was an absolute. Couldn't imagine playing. Him. I was an absolute. Wreck. All right, so we'll round out the NCAA tournament talk real quick going into the Sweet 16. Give me one game, give me one matchup um, that you're most excited for. I'll be, I'll be quick Go ahead. Uh, because I have two quickly. Okay. So if I was a Green. huge college basketball head this year, it would be without a doubt Houston, Arizona. Yeah. Number two versus three in Ken Palm. Probably the best Sweet 16 matchup just from great team versus great team we've had in a long time. But I'm a casual. I want to watch this 15 seed yeah. St. Peter's versus Purdue. <laughs> took that, took that right off the board. I know it was going to be somebody's right. Got to give, got to give the rights to St. Pete's. It's funny that we didn't have St. Peter's on the upsets that shouldn't upset you because no, that very, that very much no, upset upsetting. a lot. Of, <laughs> that upset a lot of people. Kyle, give me one matchup that you're you're really looking forward to in the Sweet 16. Arizona Houston. That's it. That yeah, game's going to be sick. Can't look dude. past it. That first, I mean, first of all, shout out Arizona for already putting on a show last game. That Arizona yeah. U game was sick. I mean, that's the one I think. Hilarious that Dalen Terry tried to dunk that ball instead yeah, of just taking like a tough. little floater, it's but tough. like whatever. Even then, they're like, people like laid up. Like, yeah, it was, it was going to have to be a floater. Yeah, like, it was going to have to be I a mean, floater. And a tough that one. Shot, and yeah. it's running full speed. That was a tough one. Yeah, but. can't really go for that dunk. So it's that one. That's going to be the, like, you want to see high level college basketball? Really, just like, not even just like for this season. Like, really, this is going to be a high level college basketball game just mm-hmm. like over the years. Like, right, this right. is two very good teams. And then the other one. 
which I'll pull Matt here, pull a second one. Not St. Peter's, but the UCLA-UNC game really intrigues me. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. UNC's making a good run. I'll leave it to you to talk about it then. Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, well, cause, uh, I don't want to steal from you. No, no, well, I'll, I'll piggyback off, off your Arizona point because I think Arizona showed a lot of people like what the Pac-12 was about basketball-wise this year. I'm normally down in the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 had a really good season, obviously led by these two teams. Um, I, I think that UCLA kind of hit a, a plateau through the latter part of the season, but I still think they've been one of the best teams in the country all season, and you have that experience, right? Yeah. They returned pretty much everybody on that guys. team. Now, Jaime Hawkes has to get healthy with that little injury that he sustained, a little, little ankle tweak. Hopefully, he's back and ready to go. Johnny Juzang is one of the best players in this tournament. Um, uh, Tiger Campbell is one of the best point guards, and I think it's good. And then you've got North Carolina, who to me is playing with house money still. They are not – they're like – they're good though. They're, they're great, and that's and that's why when you when your team playing above expectations, it's not to the level of what St. Peter's has. But you're not you're playing with nothing to lose. Like we were not expected to be here, so we've already passed expectations. So now it's free flowing. We're still looking to you know beat expectations. Like we're still looking to ruin people's parties. So I I, I really like the matchup that comes. And UNC yeah. wins we get twice. You, Duke it's UNC a final four. Duke UNC, no, which is no. which is. I don't want to project that because who knows that that's you know that a lot has to happen for that to happen. But I like, mean, the most watched college basketball. That's what game the basketball ever, gods. Holy that's what the basketball cow. gods do, right? Holy. They they make Coach K lose in his final game at Cameron to UNC, and you're like, how how can he lose in the final game? That's how. We'll basketball see. gods reward him. We'll see. Playing UNC in the final four with we'll a chance see. to undo that because UNC should have lost that game to Baylor. I, Super I, entertaining, but yeah, yeah. dude, they couldn't get the ball inbounded on a press. <laughs> it was just a shame that Baylor was down yeah. 26 when they started making the comeback. Like, yeah, still brought it to OT. I don't have a game because, like I said, super casual. Uh, don't have a really huge investment into any of these teams. There are three players that I've specifically circled, and they're three of probably going to be the top draft picks in this next upcoming NBA draft, that being Jaden Ivey, Paolo Bancaro, and Chet Holmgren. All three of those guys, like if you are a fan of a team who is going to be picking, these next games, in my opinion, are must-watch. I know people say don't put too much into the tournament, but this is like a big game. This is as close to playoff basketball in terms of importance that this is uh, the, a college has. So yeah. This is the biggest game of all three guys' careers. Yeah, yes, one, one exactly. So I, I can't wait, and I think my guy, Jaden Ivey, is one of my favorite players mm-hmm. in the draft. Is really going to show out in the next couple of games because he's got some good matchups. And I, I think he he'll probably he might leapfrog Jabari Smith for the number one overall yes. pick in this stretch because of he gets you know the Chad Holmgren. I think is probably going to be the overall pick, which is crazy. He, he might be, but to to wrap up the Duke UNC point too, we talk about guard playing the tournament, but that might be that's one of the the best guard matchups between two teams that we have with Ari Davis and Caleb Love, and then Tiger Tiger Campbell and Johnny Juzang. It's going to be. A great matchup with those two, but uh, we will move on. We're almost out of time for this. Do you have a, you don't have winners and losers this week? I was going to bring up Tyree Kill to the Dolphins just to just talk that's about what we're it. yeah just that's talk about crazy. it. Maybe we do YouTube for that. That seems like a YouTube video. We, we could save it. We but, want to save it, but but Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle on the same field is going to be crazy. There's a lot to talk about. Thirty million. Like, woo, woo, woo. Matt V. Matt V. I'm 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 shining the Matt V. The symbol Matt v. in the air. <laughs> I'm shining I feel the like Matt V. v. Symbol. Yeah, 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 big a big V in the air. We're shining it, Matt I'm, V. I'm, I'm going to Photoshop that. <laughs> if the Packers cared about trying to win with Rodgers while he's still there, they would have. Traded all their future picks for. They wouldn't have uh, let Devontae go. You they would, yeah. They would start. They start for that one. Start. They wouldn't have paid Aaron Rodgers fifty million a year one season. They would have. They would have kept uh, Devontae. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll put a pin in that. Since we're putting a pin in that, we're almost out of time for this episode of Straight Facts. We can get some shots up at the buzzer as we always do. Someone got a shot at the buzzer. Yeah, I'll go. Right. Um, 
I could have cheated on the last one where we asked which matchup are you most looking forward to. I'm most looking forward to the Elite Eight game in the East, which is going to be at the Wells Fargo Center, and I'm going to be there. So oh, I'm going to get lit. to see the winner of UCLA and UNC. How you pull that off? And the winner. We bought tickets like back in December. Smart man. Yeah. My neighbor did. He's like, you want it? And I was like, yeah, it sounds good. So it's going to be the UCLA-UNC winner versus the St. Peters-Purdue winner. So nothing more do I want than to see St. Peters. That would be sick. I feel like that will just be a home game in Wells Fargo. Mm -hmm. Even though they're from Jersey, it doesn't matter. You get a 15 seed in an area where you don't really have a dog to root for in UNC and UCLA against them. So that could be really fun. So I I just want to snap it. I think I'm going to be rooting for... St. Peter's versus UCLA. Shout out, shout out, St. Peter's. Every time a Jersey school does something good in the tournament, I feel like that's a little bro. So they like, weren't shout verified on Twitter. The mm-hmm. men's basketball. Also, awesome. what I'm gonna do is, so I got a white T-shirt on right now. This is what I did when I went to the round of 64. I think it was. Yeah, back in Pittsburgh, I went to the Villanova Radford game, which is in Pittsburgh, and I wrote Radford on the shirt. So if St. Peter's makes it, I'll have the St. Peter's on the white shirt. It's going to be fire. Probably draw like a little Nike sign. But Look out for me on TV. There you go. They, you're going to have the best shirt there. You got something to say to the buzzer? I just want to uh, shout out Claude Giroux for a great fire. Oh, career. yeah, man. One of the all-time um, Philly. Hall Gamer. And it's just so sad when you get to the point as a failed organization where you have to root for another team to win the title so a player you like can win. Finally, like the Cowboys had to do that with the Marcus Ware, mm-hmm. and like now Flyers have to do it with Drew because he's on the Panthers now. Who are the? They're good though, right? The they're really Panthers good. are the number one team in the East. I've yeah. watched none of their games. Right? Yeah, me either. <laughs> but but it's Hockey's just, on ESPN and TNT now, man. Yeah, no more opportunity. Yeah, and it's just it's he was Flyers hockey to me basically. It's a, I had a little bit of Mike Richards and Jeff Carter, but Danny Breer. Yeah. Yeah. he was with Breer. The 2010 Stanley Cup team was when he. As yet, and that series against Pittsburgh in 2012 was just so great. Oh, yeah. It's just sad to see the Flyers let down a legend. And Not surprising, though. No, that's it's, it's just sad. That's that's very tough. Thanks for the hockey update, by the way. I haven't had one in a little bit. I know our fans was very <laughs> much missing some last week. Yeah, there, there we go. Matt, <laughs> keep it as well-rounded over there. Sad, Matt. I love it. Jake, we got to say the buzzer. Uh, only thing I have is mindset change. Working in media can just be mm-hmm. so draining to your confidence and your outlook on life. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But you just got to – I mean, it's like you got to be like Shaq in this industry. You, I'm going to start moving like Shaq. You get fouled a ton, yeah. and you got to keep bullying the MF in front of you until until you're face up with the basket, and then you slam it. And that's really in this industry. It, it, it's the only way that you kind of get to where you want to go is if you force yourself there. So that's what I'll be practicing. Stay out of my way. Yeah. Oh, great. Unless you want to get dunked on. Great, yeah, great message. Like, we echo it from crazy. straight facts. Anyone in our way, get out the way, man. You got you got to move. Um, all I gotta say at the buzzer is, you guys see this this Yusuf Nurkic situation yeah. with the fan with all the phone. Right through his phone. Yeah, we right through his phone. Um, like I, I, that that kind of stuff. Like really, yo. Like it, it cannot make me more upset. Cannot make me more mad. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about it. I don't think Nurk did anything wrong. Like. If, once you read if the story, story if the story is no, true, was, was, if you're sitting that close to the floor, you can easily afford a new phone. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> that's true. So, well, so I mean, what what, what I want to say, what I want to say about this is, uh, I want to like really call out the NBA here. Is when when is the change going to happen? When is enough? You know, going to be enough? Because clearly, just 
having the threat of fans of we will kick you out or we will remove your tickets or we will declare that's not working because we've seen earlier this year LeBron had to escort two fans out of the game because they were saying they hope he's saying his, they hope his son dies in a car crash or something like that. We he, we see Nurk throwing a fan's phone because he says, um, you know, F your grandma or your grandma's a, a piece of ass or something like that and comes out that his grandma died of COVID earlier this year. So you hear all these instances of, of fans doing stuff to players. And then what do I read the punishments are that Nurkic gets fined 40K for reacting to something? So like why I have a problem with it is people fail to realize sometimes that actions have reactions and sometimes like you it's unrealistic to ask someone just to be the bigger person just because they're an nba player just because you make more money just because you're a part of the nba like they're still humans at the end of the day and just thinking that you can say whatever you want to them because they're under the shield of the nba is ridiculous and sometimes people got people got to feel consequences and like maybe it's not the most politically correct Thing to say or the right thing to say, but if I'm nerfed for 40k, I might swing. Like if you're gonna find me 40k, I'm doing I'm more than throwing like, this phone. Don't ever, the, don't ever say anything about my grandmother, my right. deceased if that's grandmother, true, bro. If that's like, true, if that's Nerf's true, fully right. And even if it's not true, the whole fan with the camera phone is getting a little too much right now. Like yeah, even these videos are seeing people going up to Russ in public when he's like leaving the Staples Center, like. People are a little corny, and, it's, like, and, it's, and it's part of whole, it's getting a little out of control. It's part of thinking that, like you know, that, you know he's going to do anything to me. Like, even if it's not true, I'm sure he said something crazy to Nurk because there's no reason Nurk would have done. That's that. my second yeah. point. As as a professional athlete, you know, you've gone through so many hostile environments. Like if you've played in college basketball, you you've heard the craziest of crazy things come out from a drunk 18 year old who got you know student te- section tickets for the very first time, right? Like you've heard the craziest stuff be said about you. So if it takes a reaction, like Nurk throwing your phone, and we saw Naomi Osaka earlier this week have to stop a tennis match and ask the judge to take the microphone so she could address someone in the crowd because they were saying such crazy things to her that she couldn't focus, she started to cry. Like if it gets to that point, you know you've said something wild to a professional athlete because they've heard the worst. If they have to stop what they're doing because you've said something, you've crossed the line. And I think it's something that the NBA has to address. Like you can't just keep doing damage control after the fact and punishing people or finding like there has to be some sort of implementive measure, some some sort of deterrent, some real deterrent from doing that because it shouldn't be post game. And Nurk is walking on the hardwood floor and there's a guy three feet in front of him with a camera phone in his face. Like You shouldn't be that accessible after the game. Like, why are you so accessible as an NBA player? Where's my protection? And and no, no shade, but the the 65 plus gentleman in the in the yellow jacket standing on the court isn't gonna stop any of that. Like there's gotta be something bigger. So I just I, since Nurk can't say all this, I'm gonna say it. Like that really annoyed me. I've seen it too many times and like you know, sometimes a, a random Joe Schmo got to be taught a lesson if he don't think he can say to anyone to. I wouldn't mind seeing some NBA, some Indiana Pacers or Utah Jazz fans get mauled. Come on, come on. At least some Philly fans. So. Some people just need to get taught a lesson real cool. quick. Yeah. Some people just need to get taught a lesson. Yeah, I still think, like, if you're front row and you're calling the opposing team, like, you suck. Like, that's, well, that's fine. That's, that's fine. Can't be personal. personal, I think it crosses the line. Whatever. What, like, Trash talk should be fun, not, like, cruel. Right. Like yeah. it can be mean, but like cruel to the point, like family member stuff, like anything personal. Yeah. yeah. Anything, it can be anything personal. Anything personal. We'll, we'll tie a bow on that. That's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. It was a good, uh, good one. Shout out to the Up On Game Network, as always. And shout out to my guys, because I love it when we're all in studio. Jake Galley, Kyle Sirik, Stabat Robinson. I'm James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight up.